What a beautiful presence of the Lord is in the house today. The Bible says when we worship Him, He comes in to inhabit. That means to dwell in our praise. And He's here. The Scripture says if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It is not going to be the beautiful music, how very well done it was. It's not going to be an eloquent sermon, especially coming from me. It is going to be because we lift him up. Because no man comes to him unless he draws them. So if you get the privilege of coming to Jesus today and him changing your life, it's because he's saying, today's your day. Come on. He's drawing you. So nobody gets the credit. He said, if I be lifted up. And we have lifted him up today. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know of a group of children anywhere that comes and lifts the Lord up like these babies do. They put the rest of us to shame. These children were in intercessory prayer up here, speaking with tongues. If there's anyone that doesn't believe in the Holy Ghost, all you have to do is walk up here and see a bunch of little children that, you know, they're, they're innocent. They don't know enough to make it all up. It's the power of God flowing through them. Hallelujah. And you know why? Because souls are all the same size. There's no little ones and big ones. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Amen. I sure do love you. It's wonderful to be back with you again. We give your pastor honor today. Brother and Sister Powell, we love you. Uh, I fondly call him son. And uh, I, I really feel that way about them, their family. And you're our family. And today as I endeavor to minister the word i'd like for you to turn in the scriptures to first peter chapter 2 while you're still standing and i want you to know my pastor knows that we're here and i am under the covering of my precious husband and today i'm under the covering of this pastor i'm submitted and covered today that's important amen in first peter chapter 2 and verse 9 i'm going to read 9 through 12 this is who you are if you are truly a child of God. If you have followed the plan of salvation, if you're ready to meet Jesus, this is what you are. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers, pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Isn't it wonderful to know who we are? We are chosen. We're called. We're royalty. Hallelujah. And there are going to be people speak against this truth. More so in this end time day. Speaking against what's truth. It doesn't matter. 
We know who we are. We're peculiar. We're set apart. There was a story that I'm going to just briefly touch because of the point I'm going to make today in Exodus chapter 18. We find Moses is tired of the children of Israel and their antics, their lack of faith in God, all that he's having to do to try to keep them on the right right track. And he got so weary in the chapter before, people had to come and hold up his arms. He was weak and weary. I'm sure longing to go home. Couldn't go home. He's in a strange land. But his father-in-law decided to visit. I'm not sure if Jethro came because he heard about Moses' weak state or why he came. But his father Jethro came to visit. And when Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom. For he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. Gershom means alien. And Moses was saying, I want to go home. He named one of his children an alien. If we named our children about the way we felt at that moment... I would have named one of mine, ouch. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Travail. <laughs> but they named their children how they felt. And Moses wanted to go home. He realized, I'm just an alien. I don't even belong here. But he stood the course and did what his life was set out to do, what God had planned for him to do, knowing I won't always be here. Today... The actual word alien being in scripture. Philippians tells us that we are, our citizenship is not here. That our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. So today for your hearing and in the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says, I'm going to bring a friend to meet you. You may be seated. And today the name of my message is simply this. I am an alien. I am an alien. Put it on the side so they see the screen. And I let the gentleman know that so aptly work the sound and all of that. I was commenting on the colors around the soundboards up here. And I said, oh, it's green today. And he said, yes, I just put in the color of the day or however you choose. You don't pick it out. It just comes up. And it happened to be green. I said, oh, no, that is the will of God. (laughs) Even the Lord works in the lights and sound today. Amen. Now, if you know me, you know that I feel that church should be fun. I don't think it should be dull and dead and boring. I think we should have a smile on our face. And no matter what we're going through, we can rejoice. Why? Because we are aliens. We don't belong here. You can take anything you're going through in life and you can just weigh it. Put it on the scale. Heaven over here and what I'm going through over there. Oh, well.
well, doesn't matter because I'm on my way out of here one way or another. I'm not here to stay. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just on a journey. I'm a pilgrim. I am an alien. I don't belong here. Hallelujah. An alien. This is my alien. This alien was delivered to my front door in a box. His name is Amazon. He came from a planet far away called Prime. <laughs> he can be anywhere in the world in three days. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is my alien. My alien was delivered to my front door and here he is. And he will hardly even stand up in my home because he's so big and tall and overwhelming. And as I'm trying to get to know this guy and figure out what he's all about, I realize that he is here on a mission and so he is not very interested in our way of life. He has to stand where I put him and... And because he's in my home, but he's not interested. I, I could turn on a movie or a video game and he doesn't want to play because he's got other things on his mind. He doesn't speak the same language I speak because he's not from here. He's not interested in integrating into our society at all. He doesn't want to do what we do or go where we go or be amused by what we're amused with because he has a focus. His mind is on another land. His mind is on where he came from and where he's going back to. His mind is on his journey here only to try to get as many people ready to go with him as possible. I'm not sure I want to go to a place called Prime. <laughs> but I know today as sure as I'm standing here that I really don't care about anything else in this world but getting to heaven and getting a lot of people ready to go with me because I know what my mission is. We are children of the Most High. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen generation. We were never meant to integrate into this world and to be a part of this world. We don't live here. We don't belong here. We're from another land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If he becomes integrated, he forgets the mission. I'm afraid in this last hour, we've got a lot of people that have just settled down into life. We've got so much stuff. We worked so many long hours to make so much money so we can buy more stuff, a bigger house, one more toy, one more thing, and it never satisfies. I'm not saying you should not have nice things, but I'm saying anything you love more than Jesus because becomes your God it's idolatry it becomes your your idol if you miss church because you have to work it's one thing but I think I'd be praying Lord give me another job because I don't want to miss the house of the Lord this is what we live for coming together bringing people in and getting them ready to go hallelujah so easy to get ready to go even one of these little children could come up and take the microphone and they could tell you how to get ready for heaven. Hallelujah. Because all you have to do is bring your heart to Jesus. If there is one person here today, child, adult, elder, that there is a doubt in your mind, if Jesus comes, 
before 2 o'clock today, I'm not sure I'm ready. You better get ready. What's going on in our world is not going to be changed by voting in a different president. Now, you political followers, I'm just telling you, the Lord is ordering this in time. It's unfolding like a beautiful book that's already written page by page. You're not going to change it by getting your spirit all worked up and getting angry and talking about it and arguing about it. And, and I, when people start talking about it, you see something come over them and their voice changes and their face changes and they get a little louder. Why? Be, because we want to see things change. But I'm telling you, we are in the last hour. The sky's getting ready to split open. Jesus is coming. Get your focus on souls. There shouldn't be anything else you're worried about but getting you, your family, and everybody you know, everybody around you to heaven. That's the mission. If you'll bring your heart to Jesus. Just a little red heart the Lord gave you. See, when you're born, you're born with a place in your heart that nothing else will fill. It's like a little cup that's already in there. But in that cup and all around that cup is already sin. Even though you never sinned yourself, your little tiny baby, you can't even get up and walk. How could you sin? You can't talk, you can't cuss, so you can't cuss. <laughs> you, you, you can't do anything wrong because you, you can't get up and crawl, let alone walk. And when you said, wah, the first time, you already had a dirty heart because we're born in sin and shapen in iniquity. So nobody could ever say, oh, your heart's way dirtier than mine. You've done way more than I've ever done. No, we're all born with the same dirty heart, with that sinful nature. But at some point, you are brought to the realization of, wait a minute, there's something beyond this old world. There is a God that sits on a throne that created all of this. He created me. So he must want me to do something. And even a little child realizes, I need to bring my heart to Jesus. And the day that you walked to that altar, I was nine. But I've seen people as old as 91 bring their heart to an altar as young as three. And pray a simple prayer, Jesus I recognize you as God. I need you in my life. I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. Please forgive me for my sins. The moment you ask Jesus, he doesn't even look in there. All the rest of us, we, we'd be looking. You mean you did all that? <laughs> Better pray some more. That's what we would do to each other. So we expect God to be like people and he's not. He doesn't even look in there. He knew what you were doing. He knew what was in there. He loved you anyway. You can't do anything bad enough to make him not love you. He will always love you till the day you take your last breath. And the moment you ask with one sweep of his hand, he cleans out your heart. He leaves an empty spot that he can move into. Hallelujah. That's called repentance. Peter said, repent. Repent means say you're sorry, but then walk away from it. Turn away from it. Remember the little cup? Picture that little cup in there. Nothing will ever fill it. 
Money won't fill it. Career won't fill it. Living through your children's lives won't fill it. Your big house won't fill it. Your camping trips, your vacations, your cruises, nothing will fill it. Your habits, nothing will ever fill the void. And you can go on and keep trying. But you see, once you repent, sin makes a mess. This made a mess up here. It'll have to be cleaned up. So Peter said, repent and be baptized. He didn't say, if you want to, it's an extra deal. And he didn't say, just do it any way you want. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So is it okay just to let a preacher baptize you, maybe in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? What's the name? I'm a daughter, I'm a mother, and I'm a sister. But I can't sign a check. Mother, daughter, sister. I have to sign Vicki Vernon because that's my name. His name is Jesus. Somebody's going to get the revelation today. There's only one God and Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. He came in flesh, robed in flesh. Jesus was the flesh. The Spirit of God was in Jesus Christ. They're one. They took me to the water and I went down in Jesus' name. Why? Because I married him. He's coming back for his bride. You have to have his name. When I got married, I, I joyfully became Vicki Vernon. I didn't say, no, I want, I'm, Smith's my maiden name. I don't be Smith. I didn't say that. No, I, I joyfully took my husband's name because I wanted to be his bride. I want to be his bride. I have to take on his name. If you haven't gone down in Jesus' name, you're not a part of the bride. You must be born of water and of spirit. So standing in that altar... My little hands raised, little chubby, freckle-faced nine-year-old girl. I just prayed a simple little prayer, and suddenly, my lip and tongue started wiggling. My hands started shaking. Suddenly, these, these words came to my mind I'd never said before. They were in another language. And, and I, I, I felt them coming, and I thought, I, don't, I better not say those. I better not say those because I don't know those words. <laughs> and, and Brother Billy Cole came down and laid his hand on a chubby, freckle-faced girl. And he began to talk in tongues and prophesy over my life. And, and, and part of that mantle was past that day. Brother Cole told me later in years. Because on that day, I did say those words. I did let them right out of my mouth. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he takes away your old stony heart. And gives you a brand new heart. And he doesn't stop filling here. He fills that little cup. He fills to the top. But he keeps filling and filling. And when it gets here, there's a sound. When the baby's born, there's a sound. You move your mouth. You let the words out. You can't do it wrong. The Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, if it's a gift, maybe everybody doesn't get it. Is that the kind of God you want to serve? That says, you can have it and you can, but no, you can't. Are you kidding me? No, everybody in that upper room received it. And it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And you know what? We can't fly. So when Jesus comes in the sky at any moment, when he comes, that Holy Ghost is the power that's going to take us up. 
will be a part of the bride of Christ. You must be born again. Why did you go through that? We, we know all that, Sister Vernon. Somebody may not. Somebody sitting at home may re repent on the couch. They may be filled with the Holy Ghost sitting right in the armchair this morning. They may be calling and saying, hey, pastor, will you baptize me? i got to be baptized. You know, there, there, there are so many hungry people. But it's a simple gospel. We shouldn't avoid it. We should be telling everybody. We had a little waitress last week in Richmond, Kentucky, when we were traveling and she waited on the table. And the Lord will quicken your spirit and you'll just know when it's a person that you are supposed to witness to. There'll be something that quickens in your Holy Ghost. And this young girl was so pleasant and so sweet. And Brother Vernon began to talk to her and tell her the plan of salvation. And, and she was receptive and the tears were welling up in her eyes. And the Lord orchestrated it. Because you don't want to be invasive. She's a waitress. You don't want to get her in trouble. You don't want to get her fired. Oh, but it was the last person of the day. We, we got there late after going to several other restaurants first that weren't open and such. The Lord wanted us there. And so she waited on us. But we were the last table. I even asked her, do you need to go? And, and she said, oh, no. She said, I'm enjoying this. You're my last table. So on in the conversation as she's weeping, I said to her, um, do you go to church anywhere? She said, I was raised Baptist. I don't go anywhere now. She said, but I've been searching online and, and looking at things. And, and she said, and one night I was praying and these strange words came to my mind. And she said, I was afraid to say them, and, but I got my phone and I Googled them. <laughs> now that was the first time I'd heard that one. <laughs> She said the best I could, the, the way they sounded in my head, I, I Googled them. And one of them came up Savior. And one of them came up Messiah. In another language. Google is good for something. And I said, but did you, did you then go on and say them? She said, no, I, I was kind of afraid to. I said, oh, but you need the Holy Ghost. Jesus is coming, and you need the Holy Ghost. I said, what are you doing when you get off? I mean, it's 930, 930 now. She says, well, nothing, but I have to clean up tables and all of that. I said, well, we'll be waiting for you. I said, the Lord wants to give you the Holy Ghost, and, and you can get the Holy Ghost in our, in our car, in our, in our room, wherever. And she said, well, my dad is coming to pick me up. Uh, I don't have transportation right now, but I can call him. And I said, well, we'll take you home. And, and she said, well, I'll call him. Well, we waited. We had to transfer some clothes and make her a seat in the car because we drive around like fat rats. And <clears throat> so many clothes and all that because we, when we leave home, we're gone sometimes six, eight weeks. And so we moved things around and we came back and, and we were waiting. And here this gentleman backs in and, and I just know this is her dad. Restaurants closed. They're picking her up. We had prayed against anything the devil would bring against her. And here's dad sitting there, and I'm thinking she didn't call and tell him not to come. I stepped out of the car, and Brother Vernon had gotten in the back seat so she could sit up front with me. And, and I stepped out of the car, and before I could open my mouth, she said, Oh, don't worry. She said, I just forgot my purse in my dad's car, and, and so he's bringing it to me, and he's going to wait and take me home. So it doesn't matter how long it takes. He's going to take me home. It's okay. She got in the front of seat of our car, 
and the Holy Ghost filled the car. I began to talk to her like I'm talking to you today about the Holy Ghost, about her heart. She lifted her hands and closed her eyes and raised her face. She began to repent. She began to worship. And in, I'm, I'm telling you, 30 seconds, she was speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance in the front seat of the car. She, she said, oh, it was those words I heard and more. She said, feel my arm. You feel those goosebumps. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, who does that? Who prays with people in the front seat of the car? We do because we're aliens. We don't belong in this world. We don't fit in with this world. We'll never belong here because our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to another land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are aliens and strangers in this world. I was a little girl. I, after I got the Holy Ghost, I had this drawer I would pull out in the bottom of my, my dresser. And that was my ministry drawer. <laughs> and I'd write things down. And I'd, I'd sing. I had a guitar. I only knew three chords. And, and I, I would sit there and play the guitar and sing. Now, I'm just, I'm just a little kid. I'm 10, 9, 10 years old. And one day I remember, you, you remember these times. I was worshiping the Lord in my room. We had a little tiny house, and I had two older sisters, and oftentimes they would say, Mom, make her stop. And, I, and I'm sure the singing and playing got on their nerves. But I really was singing to the Lord. I had gone and asked the pastor if I could have a hymnal. That's back when we sang out of the books, you know. And I played every song in that hymnal in, in the key of G. <laughs> if you know music, you know how horrendous that was. <laughs> But I, I would just sit and worship and play and sing to the Lord. And, and I was building a relationship with the Lord. You know, you can tell your children, don't do this and don't do that. You can discipline when they're not. And you and you doing right. And you should. And you can teach and train them. But I'm telling you, nothing is going to help when you're not around and they're all alone. And, and the devil brings temptation. What's going to help is, is their relationship with the Lord. Because when temptation came, I already had a relationship with God. And I didn't want to mess that up. I didn't want to hurt Jesus. Some of you didn't get that. That's why what these kids are doing up here is so valuable. But don't you dare, parents, sit back here and let the kids take the lead. You should be up here too. You should be commending them on what they're doing. You should be praying with them. They should hear you talking and telling. You don't want your children to surpass you spiritually. I was sitting by that little drawer and I was praying and, and the Holy Ghost flooded my room. I'll never forget it. I mean just flooded my room and I'm strumming the guitar and I start singing. I'm a lamb of God. I'm a lamb of God. My shepherd's watching me from above. He keeps me in his way. From day to day, I'm grazing in his fields of love. I thought that was the most powerful thing I ever heard in my life. Grazing, get it? Lamb, grazing? I mean, it had to be God. I'm 10, I couldn't come up with something that brilliant. 
I the power of God flooded that room. I laid on the floor and spoke in tongues, the power of God shaking my little body. I mean, I don't know how long, but it seemed like a very long time. And the zeal of the Lord all over me. And I walked out of that bedroom, my face just glowing. And I ran to my mama. And I said, Mom, let me tell you what just happened. And I began to sing the song. And I, I brought my big old guitar out. And I'm playing and singing the song. And I'm weeping. And and I'm telling mom, you know, this is what happened today. And God came in my room. He was actually there and gave me a song. And, and I remember there were family members that scoffed at me and laughed at me and kind of got out of the way. And they were always saying, make her stop and, and that kind of thing. And, and I was downtrodden. And, and my mom, thank God, my mom knew. She said, honey, the hand of God is on your life. And let me tell you something. You're a Joseph. You're never going to belong. The ones even closest to you are going to want to throw you in a pit. And there may be a time that you find yourself betrayed or falsely accused because you are a Joseph. But God's going to use you. And your dream is going to become one with the king. I'm talking to somebody today. You're a Joseph. You're an alien. You don't belong even in your own family. You never feel like you fit in. You wonder why it's this way. It's because God has charted your life so that you'll end up in heaven and you'll be the one to take a lot of people with you <laughs> hallelujah 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 we don't fit in we're not supposed to fit in because our citizenship is in heaven hallelujah I realize that I'm very strange when I face demonic warfare it's real. You think it's not real? It's real. It's not stuff that the horror movies are made of. They make it so hokey and goofy. It's not the way it really is at all. But when the devil knows who you are, that is a, the greatest compliment ever. Because he realizes this is, this is an alien. Oh yeah, he's an alien. Brother Powell, he's an alien. He's, he's pastoring several churches. He's over the district. God's using him to speak into the lives of so many. And, and, and he's an alien. The devil hates aliens. I arrived in New Orleans one evening. And I had never been downtown. And I, I thought I'm going to just drive and go down to the waterfront. And, and I, I was amazed. I got a, a, a place close. And pulled in and... I, I had my coffee with me, and I thought, I'm going to go down to the waterfront. And I took a few steps and went around the corner, and there was a festival going on. It wasn't the kind of festival that an alien from heaven visits. And, and I felt immediately the pushback of the spirit world. Hey, if you're, you're going places and you feel pushback, get out of there. Your Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you. We don't, we, you know, some things we do, we do as an ambassador of the, of the Lord. We are ambassadors, and we take the name of Jesus in. But a lot of places, the Lord doesn't want you to go at all. I felt the pushback. I, I felt the spirits of that particular festival coming at me. And I am, I am just frozen in my steps when I realize what's going on all around me. The putrid sin. And you know what? Sin should make us sick. We shouldn't engage in sin during the week and then ask for forgiveness on the weekend. It should sicken us what the world is all about. It should sicken us what people are not wearing. It should sicken us what the agenda is from the top 
right now in our schools. All of this should sicken us. And I'm feeling that wash over me. And all of a sudden, here comes, before I can turn to get back to the car, a man running full strength at me. Uh, I mean, he is, uh, he is not in his right mind. He is not fully clothed. He's screaming, and he's running straight at me. And he gets right in my face, right here. I can feel the saliva on my face when he spits out, The preacher has arrived. Talk about freaked out. I turned and hightailed it to the car because the demons knew I had arrived. We're supposed to live in such a way that the enemy knows who we are. He knows who you are. He, he, he just really doesn't want anything to do with you. He doesn't want to be around you. He's fearful of you because you are a soul winner. You believe in this truth. You walk by faith and not by sight. You believe every word in this book that you're living it and you're walking in it and you're looking for a place that's not here. You're waiting for Jesus to come. He's coming back for those who are watching for his appearing. Aliens. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, my friend is here on a mission. My friend is an alien. I'm so proud that you stood up tall today and didn't flop over. <laughs> One particular time I had to explain that his head was bowed because he was praying. There was a 1982 very popular movie. I don't often preach on movies. But believe it or not, the Lord brought this to my mind. This movie was written by Steven Spielberg. It was entitled E.T. E.T. stands for extraterrestrial. Kind of hard to say, so they called the movie E.T. E.T. is an alien who shows up on earth. When he shows up on earth, he is no doubt on a mission. He's dropped in the woods and left. Spaceship leaves him. He does not belong on our planet. The family is having pizza that evening, and when the little boy, Elliot, takes the box out to the trash, he sees movement around the trash cans, in the woods, and so on. And he thinks he sees an animal, and he tries to tell his family, there's something out there, it could be dangerous, there's an animal, and they laugh at him, and they don't really believe him. There'll be a lot of people that won't believe when you begin to tell them this truth. But Elliot knew there's something out there, I saw it, and he got a brilliant idea. If the, the thing was around the trash cans, maybe it's looking for food. And the only food source that a little boy could come up with was some candy. Because children oftentimes have candy on reserves. I always do. <laughs> Look in my purse after church. I might run out of water and power, but I'm not going to run out of candy. <laughs> Elliot has his favorite candy, Reese's Pieces, and 
So he goes out in the dark unbeknownst to his mother and he begins to make a trail. Sorry, I'm making an even bigger mess. He makes a trail, I bet you will. <laughs> and the trail goes from outside where he saw the strange movements all the way into the house and up the stairs to his bedroom. It isn't very long until that hungry little alien realizes there's something strange here and, and he follows the path. You see, the devil knows what path you will follow. He will bait you. He will put it out there. It will be in full view. Every time you open the, the computer, there'll be something waiting for you to open. He'll make sure that he attracts you to that that you are hungry for, that you're trying to fill the void with. That's why if we're wise, we're going to have all kinds of safeguards in our life to say, you know what, I'm not tempted with that, but that I used to do. So i got to stay completely away from any place that serves alcohol. i got to be real careful about any pill I put in my mouth. I got to stay away because there will always be a trail for you to follow. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. I was kind of hoping Jesus would come before I got to this part. <laughs> and, and he follows it and he follows it up the stairs. And here's this little alien and he walks up the steps. And, and, and you know, here he meets Elliot and Elliot screams and he's shocked. And, but yet he, he brought him in. And now he's got to keep it a secret. <laughs> See, some of you, you brought something in, and now you got to keep it a secret. Let me tell you something, you'll be revealed. So you might as well get to an altar and repent and give it to Jesus and make it right. Confess it and get it under the blood. Because the day will come, you'll be revealed. You might blend in for a while. Oh yeah, Elliot, Elliot put E.T. in the closet. Some of you remember <laughs> When mom got suspicious, she opened that closet door. She thought she heard something. She jerked that door open. And here's E.T.'s little face, his great big eyes, mixed in with all the stuffed animals. He's from another planet. How, how, could, he, how could he blend? Child of God? How, how, could, you, how could you blend? So Elliot now is living a secret life. Mom can't know. No one can know. What will they do if they find out? What will happen to me if they know what I'm hiding? And so he's trying to just go on and live life. He's, he's trying to go to school and, and he's trying to live his life. And, and some of us, we want to live this Pentecostal way. We want to live this life. We want to be a part of the church. We want to dress up and come to church. And we want to go to the picnic and belong to this body of people that are so awesome. But we've never really decided that I'm going to stop hiding I'm going to get rid of that that's not like Jesus I'm going to stop watching certain things I'm not going to listen to certain things I'm not going to run with the people I used to run with I'm going to give up the bad habits that I've used to try to fill the void I'm going to take a real good look at my life I don't want to blend in and be secretive anymore you know there is no life like living for Jesus as an alien. You go to bed with peace. You wake up with peace. You're not worried about the police coming to arrest you. 
You remember what you did last night. You're not repenting because you logged on to porn and got all caught up in it and you feel guilty and sinful and now you feel guilty and it makes you angry and you're in a vicious cycle. Do yourself a favor. Become an alien. Sell out to Jesus. Don't, don't just live a little bit for Jesus. Live for Him hard. Realize who you are. Say, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to give you my all, Jesus. I'm not going to hide anymore. Elliot goes, to, Elliot goes to school. And E.T. gets up and he's roaming around the house now. Kind of easy to forget your mission when you're in this house and it's full of all this amusement. First thing he does is turn on the TV. He's laughing. The classic scene where that little alien waddles to the refrigerator. They don't have him taking out a Pepsi or a Coke. No, he starts drinking beer. He drinks one beer after the other. He gets drunk. He's forgotten his mission. He's eaten all kinds of food and sweets and, and, and all of these things that were never meant for his body because he's an alien. He's poisoning himself. He's watching this trash. And, and the next thing you know, as the movie progresses, and I mean, that's supposed to be funny because the world thinks it's funny when we're led astray. The world laughs at the drunk, the sloppy drunk. It's all over television and started way back with Otis on Andy Griffith. We all laughed, but the devil is so sneaky to sneak that in way back in black and white TV where we would become accepting of sin and think it's funny. Oh, she's just an old woman talking. You're right. I've lived a lot of life, and I've seen a lot of people that forgot their mission. Preachers that forgot their mission. Saints of God that forgot their mission. New converts that barely were in, but they forgot their mission. It leads to destruction. In this very movie, what happens is this alien becomes sick. He is sick unto death. And there's no way out. But the interesting thing, and maybe you could come and play the keyboard softly. Just come by yourself and that'll give them hope. <laughs> the interesting thing is, the noted scene, the noted thing of that whole movie, the pictures depict the little alien with the faraway look and one finger up in the air. And he continues to say one thing. Phone home, phone home, he realized, I got off the mission, I'm messed up, I'm sick, people are sick with sin, they don't know right from wrong, this world is so sick from their consumption of television and, and sin, that they think it's okay to change the gender of a child? To give them drugs to change their gender? Yale has put out a program beginning with three-year-olds 
If that doesn't make you want to weep, just start giving them puberty blockers at three. Why? Because Jesus is coming. But where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. And his mercy and grace has not left this planet. And there's nothing too dirty that he can't make worthy. So don't think, well, Jesus is coming and the world's such a mess. We'll just stop getting little, pe little girls and guys in the front seat of our car and praying them through. We'll just stop teaching Bible says We might as well throw our hands up and give up. Look at this world. What a mess it's in. You know what? There's been sin around for many, many, many years since the beginning of time. And there's nothing too dirty. Phone home. Phone home. <laughs> the church is going to begin to cry out here shortly. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Get us out of here. <laughs> but I haven't yet. Because I want to see souls saved. There are too many people that are lost. Elliot knew he had brought him in the home. He had to get him back on his mission. As much as Elliot wanted to keep him, he knew this is an alien. <laughs> he put him in the basket of his bike. You've seen the picture. Rides as fast and hard as he can to the top of a hill. And there at the top of the hill, he's rigged up a little computer called a speak and spell, an old speak and spell. It goes around and around, and, and there's a little fan, and there's, it's rigged up with rubber bands and, and all this such because he's trying to help him get home. What will you do to help somebody get home? <laughs> How far will you reach? How many long drives will you take to pick them up and take them home? How many times will you reach for them with a phone call or a text? What will you do to get somebody home? And there on the top of that hill, phone home. The lights of the spaceship are seen. Coming, coming to get him. He's forgotten now about the beer and the, the food and the entertainment. And he's back on the mission. He's watching. I'm here today to help somebody get back on the mission. You've forgotten. You have forgotten your mission. Jesus is coming. Quit following that trail that the enemy's left you. And you see, all it took was for the wind to blow. When the wind blew that little fan, it was the power that reunited E.T. with his mission. We need the wind. We need the fire. We need the power of God. He said, I've given you power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Where's your power? Have you lost the power of the Holy Ghost? Don't you realize who you are? The authority you have in the Holy Ghost? 
was reunited. I've told you this before, but I want to tell you again. When my mom was dying, and if there ever were a saint of God, it was my mother. She was curled up in a fetal position in the bed in a nursing home just a few short months before she died. I happened to be in the area ministering and the Lord spoke to me in the wee hours of the morning. We knew she was dying. She, she had not set up. She had not rolled over. She, they had to do everything for her. She's tiny, very tiny and frail, wasting away with Alzheimer's. She had stopped eating and drinking. And there she was. The Lord shook me four o'clock in the morning and said, go, go to the nursing home. Go be with your mother. Uh, I jumped in the car. I went. And, and when I walked in, the exit light was shining in on her little bed. There was no other light. And, and four o'clock in the morning. And, and here is my mom who can't do anything at all for herself. But she's got enough strength that she's sitting up on the side of the bed. And I, I'm thinking, oh, the Lord sent me because she's, she's going to fall. She's going to fall out of bed, and she can't stand up, and I don't know what she's doing. She's, you know, she's not all there now. She's not thinking clearly, and, and so I, I say, Mom, Mom, you can't, you can't get out of bed. What are you doing? And she's fumbling with the sheets and her legs over the side and, and just frantically fumbling with the sheets. I said, Mom, you've got to lay down, and I took both of my hands, and I put my hands on her shoulders. I was going to gently lay her down, and I promise you there was a strength I could not handle. What in the world? She's she's. Why can't I lay mom down? I took my hands and I'm trying to push her down. But there was a great strength that had come over her. And I said, Mom, I'm getting ready to push the button for the nurse. When mom says, don't you see him? Please let me go. Big, beautiful smile on her face. I said, Mom, you can go. Go be with Jesus. I couldn't see. I, I looked up. I, I followed her finger. I, I couldn't see beyond the veil. But the strength that came in her body gave me a tiny little glimpse into what it was going to be like to have a glorified body, to walk on streets of gold, to not have pain, sickness, death, no more cancer, nothing in this old body that will hold us back. What a glorious testimony. This is real. This is real. You better realize I'm an alien. Because <laughs> you can't belong both places. This message humbly delivered <laughs> ought to make you run to this altar. <laughs> <laughs>